0: Happy Palm Sunday, everybody! Yeah. Now, here's a funny thing: we don't really celebrate Palm Sunday. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it didn't even start till the fourth century. The end of the fourth century is when Palm Sunday uh, became became a thing to to celebrate. Uh, Jesus did not create Palm Sunday. He didn't know about it. He uh, <laughs> he was just coming down the street, and they're throwing palm leaves at him. <laughs> He rode his ass into town, and he uh, <laughs> and uh, people people made it a big deal. But he was coming into town actually to celebrate Passover with his disciples, cause he knew they still needed those rituals. They, uh, from what I would gather at that point he no longer needed the rituals he no longer needed the earthly holidays he no longer needed any of that and the Last Supper was not supposed to be a big deal he wasn't calling it the Last Supper he was calling it Passover dinner with the disciples and I think we need to become aware that we don't need to create special things about the earth Life as ourselves is the special thing. Life as me, that that should be plenty. Life as you ought to be plenty. Uh, Because we're all God beings. We're all equal. God doesn't have grandchildren. And Jesus was not someone to be worshipped. He... uh, they kept saying, you, you, you. And the people keep saying, him, him, him. And uh, what I like to remind us all frequently is that he said, follow me. Because he found a way in. Into a, what we call a heaven consciousness. He found a way in. And, and his way... Is very disturbing. He said to forgive everybody. Well, it's horrifying. Imagine that horror movie, Forgive Everyone. <laughs> People running from theaters and malls. <laughs> <laughs> running Thomas, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll tithe before I'll forgive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You get that. <laughs> and it's, uh, I know how horrifying it is. I remember when I came to Unity, they said, tithe and forgive everyone. And I thought, ugh. ugh. But they promised me freedom. And I thought, well, I need to get on board with this. And I found out the tithing was much easier than the forgiveness. Because I didn't understand forgiveness. Because my understanding of forgiveness was still Judgment. I I I just uh, I forgive you. Well, no, I'm sitting in judgment of you for for what I think you did, for what I think you what what you did means, and I'm sitting in judgment of myself for what I think I did means. Today's talk is called "Spirituality is not a part-time hobby." Spirituality is a way of life, and it's a practice, and. uh I don't know that practice ever makes perfect in this case. But I'll tell you what my practice has done. It's made me more confident, more assured. You know, I did, I did those things when I came in because they promised me joy. They, my teachers, my ministers, those people who wrote all those books, they promised me joy and freedom. When I went into 12-step recovery, they promised me joy and freedom. All these places I was going was promising me joy and freedom, to be happy, joyous, and free. And I just had to do a few little things, like forgive everyone, at least everyone I was judging, which was almost everyone. There was a handful that I wasn't aware of, or if I'd met them, I would have judged them in some way too, I'm sure. I, uh... I judge myself, I judge my family, I judge the people my family judged. And uh, I didn't watch much news, but I judged well, whoever I saw there. I, I, it wasn't until I way years into unity before I heard a minister say, watching the news is listening to prayer requests. All that news we read about, it's people saying, teach me how to love. Teach me how to find joy. All that competitive stuff. It's just saying, I don't know how to love myself. And I don't know how to love my neighbor. And I don't know how to love you. And I don't know how to love my children. And I don't know how to love. Please teach me how to love. And I'm going to be a raging fool to get your attention so that I can. And a lot of ministers are that way, too. A lot of ministers you'll, you'll, you'll meet. And they're begging their congregations to teach them how to love. A lot of denominations, as they're up on the pulpit screaming at people. And what they're really saying is, I don't know how to love myself, so I'm just going to scream at you until you teach me how to love. And, and the issue with so many of us is we buy into the rage. We buy into the confusion. We buy into it and we forget to love ourselves. And we forget, oh, just because they're a leader doesn't mean they don't need to learn how to love. They may know how to lead, but that doesn't mean they know how to learn how to love. As long as you see any leader that is in competition, they don't know how to love. I don't want to be a leader who is in competition with any other church. I don't want to be a leader who's in competition with any other minister. I don't want to be a I don't want to be a driver who's in competition with any other drivers on the road. I don't want to be in a relationship that I'm in competition with my partner. I don't want to be in a friendship where I'm in competition. How could I possibly be in a competition? Because In God, none of us are going to lose. In God, we've all already won. So, how do I, in my spirituality, uh, as a full-time job, learn how to become willing that all beings experience joy? That all beings, not only do they know themselves as forgiven, But they realize, finally, they were never judged in the first place. In unity, we don't teach that certain people are judged for their behaviors. We don't teach, at least not in God. In unity, we don't teach that there is a hell to go to after we, we give up this physical personality. In unity, we don't teach that. We don't demonstrate it we don't write books about it in unity we teach that we are all one and it's not even teach we remind every prayer is answered and we are all one we're all all just all all one we're dressed up in different outfits Meaning our body but we're all one how do we uh Begin to practice that as a full-time vocation. Not job, but vocation. We'll call it that. A vocation where, oh, I don't have to worry today. Nobody's out to get me. Not even myself. I don't have to be concerned today about sin, sickness, or death. Sin, sickness, and death is not my focus for the day. I don't have to wish anybody dead because I'm afraid of them. Because I don't have to be afraid of them. Sometimes people come to me about leaders and stuff and say, well, what do I do? How do I pray over this? And I said, oh, pray for their joy. Pray that they become joy-filled. And remember, leaders can be your parents. Leaders can be your siblings. They Yes, they can be the politicians. They can be other ministers. They, they can be whatever. Pray for their joy. Become willing to see them joy-filled. And they say, but, but, but how can I do that? Then they get away with it. Then they do that. I said, joy-filled people don't hurt other people. When I am so joy-filled, I have no animosity toward anyone. Nobody needs to pay the price by me for their mistakes. They're begging me to love them. And I know how hard it is to say, oh, oh, let me turn off the channel so I don't have to hear anymore. And let me get quiet and become willing. Because you see, if the person I like the least isn't allowed to be joy-filled, how am I ever going to become joy-filled? If the person I fear the most isn't allowed to become joy-filled by me, how can I ever become joy-filled? Because what I wish for another, I wish for myself, consciously or unconsciously. And so if I get together with any of you and I start trashing somebody else on this planet... I become very unhappy with myself. I be, my confidence begins to fall away. Uh, these things that I speak about on Sundays, they just aren't uh, as accurate. And I don't believe them as much. And I want to believe what I talk about up here. I want to believe what my ministers talked about when I came into Unity. I want to believe what those people say. I remember in in a recovery room many years ago, I just started, and this great big guy stood up in the front of the room and he said, well, he didn't say it to me, he said it to the whole room, but I was there. And he said, God has better things in store for you than anything you could ever imagine. And I thought, wow. Because I could imagine some pretty wild things. And I thought, better than that. Even better. Better than all the stuff. Because I couldn't imagine serenity. How could I be have serenity? I didn't even barely knew the word. It, that was a concept, not an experience for me at that point. But I listened and I thought, okay, so it's better than the stuff I want, because all the stuff I wanted would really just create separation between me and everybody else. But this, this and suddenly one day I had an experience of serenity, and I thought, oh, this is better than the new car. This is better than cash. This is better than some other behaviors that I, you know, with no responsibility. And I thought, okay, I can get on board with this. God has better things in store for me than anything I could ever imagine. And it came out of continuous daily prayer. And I thought, oh, I I don't have to be afraid to walk down the street today because I'm not under attack I don't have to be afraid to look at my bank account today because I'm not under attack. I don't have to be afraid to look at someone else in the eye because I'm not under attack. Because it'll work out. <clears throat> if we're not getting along today, it'll pass. And I'm I'm safe to be wrong. That was the best part. I got to tell you, that probably was it has been one of the greatest gifts of my healing is it became safe to be mistaken. In fact, it became a great gift. It's like, oh, I'm wrong. Thank goodness. <clears throat> now I don't have to fight you to be right. You be right. I got things to do. I got prayers to pray. You go ahead and be right if you need to be right. And maybe you are. And if you are, I apologize for digging in my heels about something. I don't want to be right about this. And just like I've learned, <clears throat> I don't want to be the one to have the worst childhood. I no longer compete with people to have, to have had the worst childhood. You win. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to have had the worst active mess of a life. I have the one I have. I don't have to compete with you. I don't have to compete to have the best church. I just have the best church for me. I have the best partner, but oh well. <laughs> there's only, <laughs> there's just one of him. Uh, <clears throat> and I have the best job for me. Not everybody would want my job. They might like the attention I get, but they, other than that, they're really, it's not everybody's cut out for this, but I like it and it's fun. And it's a, it's a great learning lesson about safe to be wrong, safe to be mistaken. The Jesus Christ message is, love everyone, love God, love yourself and your neighbor equally. And I used to always ask this question, which is harder to love God or to love your neighbor? And most people say, oh, the neighbor. And I say, no, it's much harder to love God. If I loved God, I wouldn't have a problem with my neighbor. If I truly, truly embraced God as love, as intelligence, as power, as presence, the neighbor would be a breeze. And so that's what I need to work on is my do, do I believe what I say? I believe about what I call God. And you know, God, as I said a few weeks ago, God by any other name is still God. I think I wrote it in a newsletter actually. And it's like good orderly direction is God. Life is God, love is God, you know what? Find a word that works for you, that really envelops everything that you could embrace so that your human experience is not a, an unhappy one, but a celebratory one. Imagine celebrating your human experience all the time. Imagine that living life for you could be like living on vacation. That every day you have lovely meals that every day you do special things, that even your work—if you go to work—it's special. It's it's delightful. That whatever you eat, it's delicious. Rather than a punishment, a cause for guilt. Some of us we eat we eat a, a, a something with sugar in it. Oh no, I'm terrible. I ate sugar. Oh no, I'm not allowed dairy. Well, there's lots more to life than dairy and gluten, let me tell you. There's lots of delicious things that don't include dairy and gluten. But we don't have to live a life where we tell us, oh, I'm bad because I even want this. God has better things in store for you than anything you could ever imagine. So on this Palm Sunday, which is now called Passion Sunday, yeah, they change it, why not? <laughs> <clears throat> Because it leads into the week of the Passion, Holy Week. We can use it as a symbol, as a reminder. You know, and we work our way towards next week for Easter and the rising up. The rising up, for us, it's not about a person rising up, it's a rising up in consciousness. And then many people in many uh, churches, they say Jesus is coming back. And my thought is if he did, it'd freak a lot of people out. (laughs) And he would not be accepted into their church. But the Christ, the Christ in me keeps coming back at my invitation. I rejected that word for such a long time. Because I thought it was a well I thought it was his last name for one thing. But I didn't understand the consciousness of it all, that the Christ consciousness, you know, I lit this candle earlier to represent light. It's our Christ candle. We call it that because we do. And a lot of people enjoy that ritual. The ritual is very special to us. We enjoy our spiritual rituals. And we don't really have a dogma here in unity, but we do have rituals. And we enjoy them because they remind us that, oh, that's right, I'm in love. I'm just in love. It's in and through me, and I'm in and through it. So, yes, the Christ in us is continuously being resurrected. But the Christ as we know it keeps dying. Because the new understanding of it has to be reborn. God in me has to keep being reborn because just when I think I know God, God goes and gets bigger. It gets more vast than ever before. Just when I think I'm settled that I think I know what I am, I get bigger. I get different. And I I become less of what I thought I was. Or who I thought I was. And people that I know become different. And they actually become less of who I thought they were because I continue, as I do this work, I continuously release more and more of their personality. And so I don't need them to stay small because I'm afraid of getting bigger. We just, we begin to just share space together and we share a divine mind together and we share light together. And that's how the Christ keeps being resurrected, keeps being born anew in us. <clears throat> so I used to just read, rejo- okay, Jesus died and that's it, and and, then, and, that's, and I, I refuse to believe he's coming back. Well, I don't think the personality's coming back, but I don't think we've seen the last of the Christ. Kenneth sang the song, I'm going to look twice at you till I see the Christ in you. What does that mean? Except I'm going to look twice at you till I see the light in you. Because I want to see the light in you reflecting back at me. And I want you to see the light in you being reflected from me. It's, it's, it's the least we can do for each other, and maybe the most that we can do for each other. In our full-time vocation, Since spirituality is no longer a hobby, let us keep every day calling forth. Imagine if you said, Christ in me, go see the Christ in them and come back and tell me what you two talked about. I've done that a lot with people I'm afraid of, people I'm angry with. Christ in me, go talk to that person because I don't want to judge them anymore. And I don't want to judge me for judging them. I want light. I want serenity. I want all the good that has ever been promised to me by my spiritual teachers. I want it all because I can have it. It's about my bigness in accepting it and receiving it. So today when you go to lunch, think about what you're talking about. Think about who you're criticizing. Think about... Are you going to enjoy the food you, you have? Think about, is the light shining in me right now? And if it isn't, God, tell me how to turn it on. In this continuous resurrection, in this continuous death and resurrection, just think about it. It's not Jesus coming back. It's the Christ in me continuously being reawakened in us. Continuously being reawakened in every cell, every tissue, every fiber of our being. Jesus went through his own transformation, mentally, spiritually, physically. He struggled because in this what we call Holy Week, he came in knowing He's going to make the big sacrifice, not for our benefit, but for his own, to prove that the body is not the spirit. The spirit can live in the body, but the body is not what is important here. That's why, you know, in, in the Last Supper where they, they eat, when it says, this is my body, and he's, what he's saying is, body doesn't mean anything. If the body were so holy, we would put it on an altar and worship it. So go ahead, eat, drink, be merry. When they uh, did their communion, when they drank from the same goblet, that was their forgiveness. That was their joining together in unison. We're all going to drink from the same cup because it shows we are one. So this week, this holy week, use it to remember just how good you are. Use it to remember the people you don't like are good too. Use it to remember Christ is reawakening in me over and over and over again. There is no end to the Christ awakening, to the light turning on. There is no end to it. Believe me, we have not seen the last of it yet. Thank you very much.